Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. I'm here to pray with you again and reflect on the scriptures. You know, many of you have been asking uh, uh, about uh, the masses that I have done over the years. Uh, of course, now with the the restriction from the Vatican, I'm not uh, doing the public mass, but I can still preach. I can still talk about the scriptures. Many people have been asking, are you going to do that? Yes, we're doing that. We're doing that uh, on the same kind of schedule that we were doing the masses. In other words, when I'm not traveling and I'm here at my office, as I am today, uh, I can bring you these biblical reflections. At the same time, the homilies from the masses are still on our website. If you go to ProLifeMass.org, you can see them, listen to them, share them, ProLifeMass.org. But believe me, we'll be bringing you the same uh, quality and the same kind of the same kind of things I would say if I were uh, preaching uh, the Mass. I'll be sharing with you in these biblical reflections. So let's pray together. And then we'll go into, I want to comment on the first reading of today's, uh, today's liturgy. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, today we come to you uh, with uh, deep uh, joy, and we come to you repenting of our sins. Uh, Lord, though we are sinners, we, we've we experienced joy because we know of your forgiveness. We know that mercy conquers sin, that mercy triumphs over judgment. And we thank you, Lord, for that fact, and we thank you that we live in that reality of a mercy that lifts us up every day, renews us, gives us a fresh start each day as if we had a brand new life, because we do have a brand new life. It is life in Christ. And you give us opportunities each day to serve you and to advance your kingdom and to defend life and to proclaim the gospel and to extend your mercy and to lift up our brothers and sisters and to be lifted up by them. And Lord, we just journey towards that eternal life where there will be no more death, no more sorrow, crying out or pain for the old order has been renewed. Behold, I make all things new, says the Lord. Bless us this day in that spirit, Lord God, and help us now with open ears to hear your word and with generous hearts to live it. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Now, as we go through this, feel free to leave your prayer intentions, as you always do, and then we'll wrap up with uh, prayer for each other and uh, all our intentions. Letter of the Hebrews, chapter 11, starting with verse 32, a reading from the letter of the Hebrews. Brothers and sisters, what more shall I say? I not have not time to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, did what was righteous, obtained the promises. They closed the mouths of lions, put out raging fires, escaped the devouring sword. Out of weakness, they were made powerful, became strong in battle, and turned back foreign invaders. Women received back their dead through resurrection. Some were tortured and would not accept deliverance in order to obtain a better resurrection. Others endured mockery, scourging, even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, sawed in two, put to death at sword's point. They went about in skins of sheep or goats, needy, afflicted, tormented. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered about in deserts and on mountains and caves and in crevices in the earth. 
Yet all these, though approved because of their faith, did not receive what had been promised. God had foreseen something better for us, so that without us they should not be made perfect. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's do the responsorial psalm, because as always, the psalm builds off of the uh, first reading. Response is, let your hearts take comfort, all who hope in the Lord. Let your hearts take comfort, all who hope in the Lord. How great is the goodness, O Lord, which you have in store for those who fear you, and which toward those who take refuge in you, you show in the sight of the children of men. Let your hearts take comfort, all who hope in the Lord. You hide them in the shelter of your presence from the plottings of men. You screen them with your abode from the strife of tongues. Let your hearts take comfort, all who hope in the Lord. Blessed be the Lord, whose wondrous mercy he has shown me in a fortified city. Let your hearts take comfort, all who hope in the Lord. Once I said, in my anguish, I am cut off from your sight. Yet you heard the sound of my pleading when I cried to you. Let your hearts take comfort, all who hope in the Lord. Love the Lord, all you his faithful ones. The Lord keeps those who are constant, but more than requites those who act proudly. Let your hearts take comfort, all who hope in the Lord. Let's reflect on these powerful readings. You know, Hebrews 11 gives us that great cloud of witnesses. We are not alone as we strive for the faith, as we live the kingdom. And what this reading shows is the price paid for love. The price paid as we journey through a world in which we are strangers and in exile, when we hold fast to the kingdom of God which is to come. You know, we're in this world, and we have a choice to make. Are we going to seek our consolation and peace in this world by making ourselves comfortable with the things of this world and going along with the tide? Or are we perhaps going to set our hearts on the kingdom of God, which, yes, is in this world. It has intersected with our history. And so we can have a great and tremendous fulfillment and joy even now in that. But never will it be complete in this life. And in fact, as the experience of these men and women show, it will be a life filled with conflict, even torment, because we belong to a city which is beyond this life, the new and heavenly Jerusalem. We belong to a kingdom which, as Jesus said, is not here in the sense that it does not rest here. It is not fulfilled here. It is present here. It has broken in to our history. But its final culmination is in the life to come. So we have a choice. Where are we going to seek our consolation? Where are we going to put our heart's priorities? What are we going to work for most passionately? The development of an earthly utopia? We try to get as much pleasure and possessions and power as we can? Or are we going to build up treasure in heaven? This is a fundamental choice. And we've got to renew that fundamental choice every day if we're going to get to our goal. Now, these, these people that Hebrews 11 talks about, they knew. And, and they were bracing, embracing, I should say, the kingdom of God before it even came into our history in Jesus Christ. They knew it was going to come. And it, 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 the, the, the letter says they did not receive what has been promised. They didn't see Jesus. But they knew he was coming. 
They knew that God was working out his plan of salvation. In his good time, he does it. They embraced it and saluted it from afar, as this letter of the Hebrews says. But look how they were treated. They were, they were treated with contempt. The Beatitudes. Blessed are they when they insult you and persecute you and hate you and utter all kinds of lies against you for my sake. So they treated the prophets. Remember when Jesus said, if all speak well of you, be careful. That's how they treated the false prophets. See, the false prophets went around, and you, you see this in Jeremiah. He said, beware of those who say, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Those who would have us think everything's okay, while blood is flowing in the streets from the bodies of aborted babies. Oh, yeah, but everything's okay. No, everything's not okay. A gospel of everything's okay, relax and, and don't worry, is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says, do not worry, do not fear from a higher spiritual plane, but not from ignoring the evils that are in front of us. Some say, don't worry, in a very superficial way, which means deny the injustice, never mind about the, the killing that's going on. Don't let yourselves be troubled. No, we're, we let ourselves be very troubled by evils like abortion and other forms of sin and injustice. We just don't let ourselves be disheartened in thinking that somehow we cannot overcome them. We do overcome them. Now, these men and women that Hebrews 11 talks about, they overcame opposition, mockery, scourging, chains, imprisonment, stoning, sawing, because they had their vision and their hearts set on God. David, King David, ancestor of Jesus himself, he committed adultery and killed a man. Now what the devil tries to do is he's the accuser. And what the devil tries to do will be to take what is evil and try to make it stop us take what is evil in our own lives or in our own past or even in our present sins that we may be battling against and use it to deter us. Part of knowing that we are strangers and in exile and that this is not our final dwelling place here on earth in this kingdom of this world is realizing that the weeds and the wheat grow together. The weeds and the wheat, the good and the evil, the virtue and the sin grow together, not just around us, but in us. That's where our Lord urges patience until the time of the final judgment. So you're going to be a mixture of weeds and wheat. Be patient, but be persistent in the struggle. The devil, the accuser, wants you to look at your sins, present or past, and let them discourage you and, and let them blind you to the fact that today, is a new day. Today is a day when you can make progress in the kingdom of God. That's what these people in the letter of the Hebrews did. The mercy of God that triumphs over judgment, triumphs over evil, is not just something that we passively accept. It makes a moral demand on us. If we know that we can accept the mercy of God, then believing in that mercy puts on us an obligation to let others embrace that mercy 
and to welcome them back. Remember, the brother of the prodigal son didn't want to do that. Oh, I've been here. I've been faithful. I didn't commit any of those sins that he went off and committed. And he was actually angry that his brother received God's mercy. He's like Jonah, who was angry that Nineveh received God's mercy. That's a spirit that we have to avoid. Mercy, God's mercy puts a demand on us to make sure that we are allowing others to accept that mercy. If we engage in snapshot thinking, that's when somebody has an experience of somebody, you hear them or you see them do something, it impresses you in a negative way. And then you take a picture of that in your mind, and then that person is forever associated with that picture. While, while that picture is gathering dust in your own head, time moves on and that person moves on. And that person may be growing in holiness, growing in repentance. And meanwhile, you've got them stuck in that snapshot. This is very bad for human relations, and this is not the way that these people lived, not the way that the saints lived. And it's not the way that the pro-life movement lives either. Because if we were to allow people to be stuck in their past sins, how do we minister to those who've had abortions? How do we welcome the Bernard Nathansons and Abby Johnsons of the world who have killed children by abortion? How do we do that? Certainly there's nothing worse than that. And so we're going to just abandon them, let them stay stuck in their sins? Or as they reach out and grab the mercy of God like they did, are we not to accompany them on that joyful journey and let them start a fresh day and a new life in Christ? The other thing about this is what these people endured, others endured mockery. You remember Jeremiah the prophet. Now what was happening in his time, some six centuries before Christ, is that the Babylonians were threatening to overtake the holy city, Jerusalem, and the, and, the, and the promised land and take the people away into exile. Jeremiah saw it coming. And he said, this is not because of some political or military uh, miscalculation or, or mistake. This is because uh, you violated the covenant. You violated the covenant of God. And therefore, God is bringing this punishment upon you. So don't even resist the Babylonians. You're not going to be able to because this is from God. Now, what do you think a person listening to that is going to conclude if they don't have that same vision of, of faith or trust in the word of God coming through the prophets? They're going to say he's a traitor. And that's what they did say. And they threw Jeremiah into a cistern. You always think of the reward of being faithful and proclaiming the word of God. It's the reward of Jeremiah. The verse in his prophecy that says, and Jeremiah sank into the mud. That's what this world gives us as a reward for preaching the word of God. And that's again why this world is not our final domain. They wandered around in skins of sheep or goats, needy, afflicted, tormented, deserts, mountains, caves, and crevices in the earth. Why? Why weren't they living in comfortable homes? Receiving some kind of salary. They could have. By compromising on the word of God. By being silent about what God was telling them to speak. They could have. They could have lived comfortably. That's the point. But they were mocked. They could have been praised. If they decided to be false prophets or silent 
about the word of God, in which case it wouldn't be prophets at all. But no, they accepted living in crevices of the earth, wearing sheepskins because they were being faithful to the word of God. I don't compare myself to these men. But in my own life, you know, some people say, oh, well, couldn't you have avoided being punished by the Vatican? Of course I could have. Of course. If I had watered down my message and my mission, of course. You, you look at those teachers or coaches or, or, or medical professionals or military professionals who've been thrown out of their jobs and lost their positions. Oh, couldn't you have avoided that? Of course. Compromise your conscience. You can avoid a lot of mockery and persecution. Yeah, yeah, you can live very comfortably. The kingdom of God is among you, brothers and sisters. When Jesus says the kingdom of God is among you, he's talking about a situation where this kingdom has come into our history and we have been captured by it. We are so enthralled by it. We are so taken by the kingdom. We are so enthusiastic and heartfelt and, and, and attached to God and to the kingdom of God that nothing else matters. We attach ourselves to that. We give our hearts completely to that. And we each do it, of course, according to our own vocation. But we give everything. You see, the kingdom of God and the progress of that kingdom, kingdom of life, the conquering of abortion, we always go back to that. It's doable. As long as we're willing to sacrifice everything. It's amazing what you can accomplish when you're willing to put no limits on what you're willing to sacrifice. The, the, this, the, the victory in our movement and the progress of the kingdom of God does not require vast numbers of people. It requires the people of Hebrews 11. It requires a small number of people willing to sacrifice everything. It requires a small number of people who are all in that's what you and I have to strive for today, tomorrow, and every day, to be all in. Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. That's without limits. The kingdom of God captures our hearts. Now, as a symbol of that, some embrace celibacy for the kingdom of God. Now, notice what I'm saying. I'm not saying those who are celibate love God more than, 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 than anyone else. So many of you who are watching now, who are married, poor parents, have children, you've embraced the kingdom of God better than, 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 than some of those who are celibate. So don't get me wrong here, what I'm about to say. But the celibacy is a sign and is meant to be a stimulus to what we're all called to do, to be all in for the kingdom of God, to be willing to sacrifice everything, including our lives themselves. We're called to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters, including our unborn brothers and sisters. Lay down our lives. But the meaning of celibacy is what I was saying a moment ago. That, uh, but, uh, 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 what we all are called to do, to let the kingdom of God so enthrall us that we give our hearts completely to it. But if we're giving our hearts completely to the kingdom of God, some symbolize that by renouncing the good of marriage. Notice I say the good. Marriage is a holy vocation. It's a sacrament. 
But some choose to put that aside because they want to show and remind the rest of the world that there's a kingdom in which alone we find fulfillment and that will blossom fully in the world to come and that our hearts are to be set on God alone. That's why, you know, I, it kind of made me laugh. And some of these are friends of mine that are not Catholic, but they don't understand celibacy, uh, 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 this teaching I'm, I'm, I'm mentioning now. And so they said to me when the Vatican dismissed you from the priesthood, oh, see, this is good. Now you can find a woman and get some friends and everything. And, and, I, and I had to laugh to myself. I said, you don't understand why I do what I do. And why I embrace celibacy in the first place is not some kind of legalistic thing. It doesn't rely on some kind of piece of paper over in Rome or anywhere else in the world. It's a matter of the heart responding to the kingdom of God. I have given myself completely to proclaiming the kingdom of God. I've set my heart on Christ. And in the context of that, set my heart completely on defending the unborn. I wouldn't give a minute much less a, 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 a lifetime relationship with somebody to have a, a wife and, and, and children. Again, not that that isn't holy. It is holy. Many of you are living that vocation and becoming saints in that vocation. Don't get me wrong. The point is, what's my vocation? I wouldn't give one minute to anything other than advancing the kingdom of God by defending the unborn. That, that I want to give every ounce of my time, every ounce of my energy. And that totality of that commitment is what some leaders in the church have utterly failed to understand. And many, many of them culpably fail to understand. And it's to their shame. Not only should they be understanding it, they should be living it themselves. And many are not. But God will judge them for that. Give it all, friends. Give it all. We have a limited amount of time in this world. We have a short journey in this life. Leave everything out on the field. Now's the time. We've all journeyed for a long time already. Now, in what time remains for us, and I'm speaking especially to you who are with me, who support me, who are vigorous in this pro-life movement, I, I want to invite you to start a new chapter today. Let's leave it all out on the field. Let's give like, like these men and women of Hebrews 11. Read and reread this chapter. <sighs> they endured mockery, scourging, chains, imprisonments. They were stoned, sawed in two, put to death at sword's point. They went about in skins of sheep or goats, needy, afflicted, tormented, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and crevices. The world was not worthy of them. Let's pray. Father, we are, are just so aware, Lord God, of the call that you place upon us today to embrace the kingdom that has come into this world and to give it our all. Father, in every word we speak, in every choice we make, in every moment we live and with every breath we breathe, let us serve you wholeheartedly. Let us serve the unborn completely. And let us be willing, Lord God, to sacrifice everything. We will never be unfaithful to you, Lord. 
And if we fail in one or another way, we will get back up and we will renew our heart's devotion once again to always be faithful. Father, we ask you today to look with favor upon the prayers and petitions of all those who bring us their needs in the comments or in the silence of their hearts, those who have need for health, for wisdom in making decisions, for consolation in sorrow, or those who want to offer prayers of thanksgiving for blessings and victories. Lord, all those who are viewing with us right now, answer all their prayers and bless their families, and bless their activities. May all they say and do glorify you and advance your kingdom. And we pray now, Father, to you in the words that Jesus gave us. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Well, friends, stay tuned to our other broadcasts. You know, we have the Rosary. I have our Praying for America program at 8 o'clock. Sometimes we have special programming at 9 o'clock. Stay tuned. Endabortion.tv. And know uh, that, uh, oh, I want to be connected to you on social media. Of course, some of you are watching now on my social media channels. But if you're not connected with me on all the platforms, go to FR Frank Pavone. That's the handle. That's the address, FR Frank Pavone. Let's connect on social media and encourage one another. God bless you. I'm praying for you. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.